Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, May the 14th. I'm Richard Woolley, Distressed Debt and Restructuring Editor in Reorg's London office, and today I'm going to be talking to our analysts about the latest activity in the primary market, looking in particular at French issuer Rubis. We're also going to hear from legal analyst Shan Qureshi about a forthcoming test case on insurance payouts to UK companies post-COVID-19. I asked Shweta Rao, the head of our Covenants product in Europe, for her thoughts on the recent activity in the primary market. Hi Shweta, could you maybe run us through some of the new issues you've been seeing? It looks like the reopened leveraged primary market in Europe is continuing to favour bonds over loans. Synlab, which is a French diagnostics group, completed a liability management exercise to extend its maturities this week. It was a two-step process. First, it offered to extend an existing loan and exchange its 2022 FRNs into a new term loan. Then it launched 400 million of floating rate bonds to part refinance its existing bonds. Most term loan lenders exchanged into the new 2024 TLB, but just under 10% of bondholders exchanged into the loans. On the FRN side, the initial 400 million issue size more than doubled to 850 million euros, allowing Synlab to take out its FRNs in full. The covenants in the new Synlab FRNs are weaker across the board than those in the notes being refinanced. A debut issuer, Rubis Terminal, also came to market this week with 410 million euros of senior secured notes due 2025. The French storage company wants to repay the bridge loan it used to pay for the acquisition of some of its subsidiaries and fund an intercompany loan. Its covenants include the ability to make dividend payments from the proceeds of the sale of its Turkish subsidiary Rubis Terminal Petrol so long as its consolidated net leverage ratio stays below 5.5. Okay, and are you seeing any wider trends emerge yet? So far, the crisis has resulted in the tightening of tenors in new high-yield issues to five years, other than Stada, which priced an add-on to its new 2024s last week. Most of the new issues we've seen were also upsized during their roadshows. The crisis has not resulted in tightening of covenants in European high-yield issues. So it's worth bearing this in mind as primary bond market supply is expected to pick up this month. I picked up the topic of Rubis again with financial analyst Ben Kavachka and asked him for a bit more of a detailed breakdown of the credit. So Rubis is a very interesting credit given the current environment globally, but in particular with a steep contango curve in the oil market as well. Just for reference, contango is a situation where spot price is lower than forward price, therefore making it attractive to purchase a commodity on the spot market and store it. As a storage provider specializing in bulk liquid products and commodities, um, the group stands to benefit from the increased demand for storage. Uh, While the near-term benefits are obvious, management also touted expecting longer-term benefits in the offering memorandum, stating that these will offset the impact of the lower economic activity and trade dislocation due to COVID-19. Proforma leverage of the group is relatively high at 5.5x, uh, but in this, uh, but this is in the context of EV EBITDA multiple paid of 10.8x and peer valuations north of that. Uh, furthermore, the business benefits from good revenue visibility and relationships underpinning this, high barriers to entry, and is reasonably diversified with regards to its assets. While there is enough cash generation on a sustenance basis, the group has been utilizing cash generated internally for growth over the past few years, and the increased interest burden is going to limit this quite significantly going forward. Um, so that's going to be interesting uh, monitoring this and monitoring how um, you know EBITDA and, uh, and revenue grow on a forward basis. Could you elaborate a bit on the capital structure? 
Sure. So the capital structure is relatively straightforward. Uh, there's a super senior 75 million euro RCF, then uh, 60.7 million pro forma euro um, AB and AMRO credit facility agreement with a first lien against uh, one of Rubis's assets. And uh, then we have 42 million euros of structurally senior opco debt. Um, then just below there is uh, 410 million of senior secured notes that are you know, just being issued and uh, residual loans uh, of 4.3 million at the bottom. Okay, so that's one to keep an eye on. Um, while I've got you, I just wanted to ask a little bit about uh, coronavirus-adjusted EBITDA. We saw an instance of that in the market this week. Have you had a chance to look at it? I mean, sure. Um, in a quick summary, uh, Schenk Process reported EBITDA C of uh, 18.3 million, um, adjusted for 5.4 million of coronavirus impact. And the impacts from COVID-19 uh, were based on missing contribution margin and cost absorption, partly compensated by direct financial state support of around 100,000 euros. Um, now, EBITDA, coronavirus EBITDA adbacks is something that we have discussed at length previously here in Reorg and uh, issuers with adback language, adback language specifically carving out losses for an exceptional event or any case that could be interpreted as COVID-19 related uh, could to some extent uh, look to mitigate the impact of pandemic uh, from a covenant flexibility perspective and it's going to be interesting monitoring this uh, going forward as well. Another response to the COVID-19 pandemic that's going to be interesting to watch in the coming months is a forthcoming case in the English courts. I asked legal analyst Shankareshi about it. So the Financial Conduct Authority is planning to bring a case to the English High Court in July in respect of insurers' refusal to pay out under their business interruption policies following the COVID-19 restrictions. The FCA's test case will consider several different types of policy and the decision could be provided as early as August. Now, the FCA wrote to insurers at the start of May, asking which policies they would pay out under. Most policies, which do not include a non-damage extension, won't cover the pandemic. That said, some extensions that are worded to potentially cover losses caused by non-property damage, such as restrictions imposed by the government. And there's a separate response from businesses, is that right? Yes, separately, large groups of affected businesses are banding together to launch class actions against large insurers Hiscox and QBE. The affected businesses will claim that the specific terms of their business interruption insurance should cover them for income loss due to having to close during the lockdown. In March, the Association of British Insurers said the vast majority of firms won't have purchase cover that would enable them to, cover, to claim on the insurance to compensate for their businesses being closed by the coronavirus. And uh, what kind of outcomes are people expecting from these cases? Is there anything that the insurers could rely on, for instance? Well, should the High Court decide that, the cert that certain of the insurers are liable to pay out, the claims for lost income are likely to be exceptionally high, hundreds of millions, according to some sources. The insurers are likely to appeal any such decisions and could rely on what are called trends clauses when calculating payments. These clauses set damages at what the business could have earned had it not closed whilst the country made a lockdown. And in practice, that means businesses like restaurants and bars could, in fact, receive minimal compensation. As always, you can read more about these situations as they develop on reorg.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.